Well, thank you again for joining us today. Uh, If you have your Bibles, turn with me to to Luke chapter 6. We're going to continue on in our our study of the Gospel of Luke. We long for joys and pleasures and satisfaction in the world. Our culture, of course, teaches this. Uh, Our culture, uh, you know, models this by promoting something that like if we just would have this, if we would just have this thing or if we would just experience this thing that is being offered, then we'll truly be satisfied. We'll we'll really find happiness. Of course, the reason the culture pushes uh, that idea is because that's what our hearts long for, right? Our, our hearts long for satisfaction in things, uh, and we are constantly drawn to other things that offer pleasure and satisfaction. The reality, of course, is that all of them, everything that this world holds out uh, to offer happiness or satisfaction, it's temporary. Uh, it will fade, right? The, it will not last. And so the question for us is, as Christians, is what do we value most in this world? I've titled today's sermon, The Surprising Economy of God's Kingdom. The surprising economy of God's kingdom. And as we're examining the text today from Luke 6, the central truth that we need to hold on to and we need to be reminded of is that Jesus is the greatest treasure. Jesus really is the greatest treasure. And so if we would live our lives, church, Realizing that, truly believing that, and fighting against the call of this world to put our hope and our joy and our satisfaction in the things of the world, if we would truly live like that, it would shape the way that we view things. It would shape the way we endure circumstances. I'm going to read the text, Luke 6, verse 20 through 26, and then pray for us as we get ready to see The truth of God's word here. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20. Then looking up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you. When they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full For you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing. For you will mourn and weep. Woe to you. When all people speak well of you. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat 
the false prophets. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, thank you for your word. We see today a challenge to what our hearts believe often. I pray that the truth of your word will shape us today and the way we see this world. I pray that you will work in us, that we truly will begin to treasure Christ as the greatest treasure. Work now, Holy Spirit, for those ends. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we keep in mind that central truth that Jesus is the greatest treasure, God's Word today points out a couple of surprising truths about the economy of God's kingdom. And what we're going to see here is a great reversal. A reversal of how the the world often thinks of wealth and resources and what we have and what we don't have. And the first truth is this. Jesus, with nothing else, promises eternal blessing. Jesus with nothing else, promises eternal blessing. Let's look back at verse 20 through 23, section referred to as the Beatitudes. So Jesus, last week we saw, came down from the mountainside. He summoned His disciples, a large group of disciples, called out twelve men who would be referred to as the Apostles who would be serving as His messengers to the hope that is found in Him. And then He starts to teach the crowd. And people were coming from all over. Jews and Gentiles coming to hear His teaching and to receive the healing that, and restoration that was found in Him. And then we have this Message. Looking up at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, because the kingdom of God is yours. Blessed are you who are now hungry, because you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, because you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. And leap for joy. Take note, your reward is great in heaven. For this is the way their ancestors used to treat the prophets. Blessed are the poor, hungry, weeping, and persecuted. And as we look at these three verses, it's important that we read these not as uh, four different categories of individuals, uh, but as One individual, one person, one type of individual, which is the people who are suffering now, but have Jesus Christ. People that are suffering things in this world, but they have put their hope in Jesus. They've come to faith in Him. And the message is, you may be poor now. 
But the kingdom of God is yours. You may be hungry now. But you're going to be filled to complete satisfaction one day. You may weep over the circumstances that you are enduring. But one day, all of those tears will be wiped away. One day, that mourning and that sorrow will be replaced with laughter. Never ceasing joy. You may be facing persecution because of your faith in Jesus. But there is a reward for you in heaven. That's coming. And verse 23 goes in to say, you know, whatever you suffer now, if you are in Christ Jesus, whatever you're suffering, whatever brokenness you're enduring right now, there's a greater reward that's coming. So it, it's important that we remember that, you know, there are distortions to how we think of coming to Christ. And sometimes people believe, well, if I just put my faith in Jesus, then all my problems are going to be fixed in this world. I'll, I'll never suffer. I'm going to just receive constant blessing in this world. The prosperity mindset ripples through churches. And we start to think that if we've put our hope in Jesus, then we won't endure anything terrible in this world. And that's just not true. But Jesus' words to his followers, if you've come to me, if you've put your hope in me and you're suffering now and you're struggling you can know that there will come a day that it won't be this way anymore. Things will be righted, right? The wrongs are going to be righted. Things will be put back in the way that God planned for His children. And so that's why Jesus can speak and call these circumstances and call individuals who are suffering in these circumstances as blessed. Because those don't go together. Poor, hungry, suffering, mourning does not sound like blessing. But Jesus can speak this way because he knows what's coming. And so even if you're enduring the worst of things that this world has to offer, if you've put your hope in Christ, the reward is great. It really will be Worth it. Jesus' words to his followers are, In me you are blessed. If you've come to me, if you've put your hope in me, if you recognize me as the treasure, you're blessed because all the suffering will be put to an end. You already have the greatest treasure if you have Jesus Christ. But for us, church, we've got to, if we want to find comfort in those words, we have to push back against our heart's call to say that, no, there's joy and satisfaction and found in the things of this world. We've got to stop putting our hope in the, the temporary pleasures of this world and recognize that our hope is in Jesus. And if we will recognize that we've already have the greatest treasure that really does shape us when we endure the heartaches. That really does shape the way we view possessions in this world. 
and satisfactions that can be found in this world. Paul learned this lesson, right? We, we walked through the, the book of Philippians and Paul talked about this, about what he used to put his hope in and, and finally learning that his true hope, his true treasure is Jesus, not the things that he used to think were of value. And so in Philippians 3, when we studied the book of Philippians, we saw these words, Philippians 3, 7 and 8, but everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. He's finally learned, right? Paul used to put his hope in so many things about himself and, and in, uh, in the world and how he was defined in the world. That was his hope. And he finally learned that his hope is Jesus Christ. His treasure is Jesus Christ. And he's finally been able to let go of his desire for things that this world has to offer. He says all of that was useless. It actually was a hindrance to him because it was keeping him from knowing the true treasure that was found in Jesus Christ. The other things are useless, nothing. Since Jesus was his treasure, he and he knows that the suffering that that we endure in this life is going to be corrected. It will come to an end. And because he knew that, he could say these words from The book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time, I'm sorry, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with. We can't compare the sufferings that we endure, and we may endure a lot in this world. Paul endured a lot of suffering in this world because of his faith in Jesus. And Paul could say, we can't even compare that to the glory that's to come when Jesus returns for us. It's like weighing a... Uh, putting on a scale a feather and an elephant. Why even try to compare it? The glory that will come for those who are in Christ Jesus is so far beyond any suffering that we will face. And so the question for us, church, is this. Is Jesus enough for us? Is Jesus enough for us? If we had Jesus Christ and nothing else in this world, would we be okay with that? And we may say, absolutely, and yet our hearts constantly long for more, long for something different, something newer, something shinier. Is Jesus enough? 
we put our hope and comfort in the things that this world has to offer. And the reality is all of them are temporary. All of those things can be stripped away at any point in time except Jesus. If we're in Jesus, we will never lose that. And if we realize Him as our greatest treasure, then it really will start to shape us in how we endure our circumstances and how we endure the suffering that we face and how we think about the material possessions and the temporary pleasures that this world holds out to us. The more we treasure Him, we can start thinking correctly about those things. We can start, as John Piper talks about, uh, holding things loosely that this world has to offer. Right? It's not to say that we should sit around in just misery constantly and never try to enjoy anything that this world has to offer. We should enjoy the good gifts of our Father. But we should not put our hope in them. Right? And so if we would stop putting our hope in circumstances and, and pleasures of this world, we can start to hold them loosely. And if God takes those things away, or if the brokenness of this world takes those away, or if we're called to give them up for God's kingdom, we can endure that because we have a greater treasure. We have the greatest treasure in Jesus. The second truth for us that comes from this passage is this. Everything without Jesus promises eternal doom. Everything without Jesus promises eternal doom. This is kind of an opposite, a complete opposite of the reality in God's kingdom. If you have Jesus and nothing else, you've got eternal blessings. But if you have everything that this world has to offer and you don't have Jesus Christ, you have the promise of eternal doom. Luke 6, verse 24 through 26. But woe to you who are rich, for you've received your comfort. Woe to you who are now full, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are now laughing For you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you. For this is the way that their ancestors used to treat the false prophets. Woe to you. Woe is a term that uh, means great sorrow and distress. The Old Testament prophets would use that term in connection with God's judgment. Right? God's judgment and condemnation that is coming for those who are against Him. Woe to the rich. Woe to the full. Woe to the people who are laughing and living it up in what this world has to offer. Woe to those who everyone else in this world has nothing but good to say about you. Another reversal That doesn't make sense in how we think of blessing in this world, right? This seems like the blessed life. 
You're rich. You're full. You're full. You've got all the happiness that you could ever imagine. Everyone loves you. That seems like the blessed life. And Jesus' words are, if that's your hope, distress is coming. Because you put your hope in the wrong thing. You're treasuring the wrong thing. To the people who have put their hope in the pleasures and the satisfactions of this world and do not have Jesus, there is a day of judgment that's coming. And even if you have had the most blessed life that this world has to offer, you've had the greatest joys and the greatest satisfaction and and experienced all the pleasures, if you don't have Jesus, what's promised to come is great, great suffering. That the the pleasures that you may be experiencing now could never begin to outweigh the distress that is coming. With that being the reality, for those of, uh, of us, for those people who are outside of Christ, why would we, you know, put our hope in things that are temporary? Why would we put our hope in things that are not eternal? Right? Jesus asked that question in Matthew 16 and verse 26. This is the, in the section where he's calling people to take up their cross and follow him. And he asked this question, for what Will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world and yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? How does having all the pleasures that this world has to offer matter when you face an eternity of judgment and and torment in hell? Never-ending sorrow. Never-ending distress. And that's what people who are outside of Christ face. He's the only hope for us to receive the forgiveness of our sins. He's the only hope for us to not face the judgment from God. And we see in the book of Revelation this promise Concerning those who are outside of Christ. Revelation chapter 20, verse 13 through 15. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it. And the death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each one was judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And listen to verse 15. And anyone whose name was not found in the book of life, was not found written in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus speaks of hell as a place of torment. Multiple occasions, He speaks of hell as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's eternal torment. But that's not God's desire for us. That's why Jesus Christ came. To save us. To 
to guard us from the wrath that is to come. Because the day is coming. Jesus came and died for sins so that if we would just come to Him and believe in Him and trust in Him, we would be forgiven. We would be adopted into God's family and we would be guarded from the wrath to come. Have we allowed ourselves to become distracted by temporary pleasures that this world has to offer? Have we set our hearts on pursuing temporary things and and left off the most important treasure, the only true eternal treasure, which is Jesus Christ? And those things that this world offers, those things that our hearts are drawn to, are countless, right? Uh, Our hearts are idle factories, Calvin says, right? Uh, It could be money. It could be power. It could be adoration and so many other things that we set our hearts on now. And if we don't have our hearts set on Christ, if we don't truly know Jesus as our only hope, distress is coming. Without Jesus, we face eternal doom. But Jesus came so that we don't have to face that. He died for our sins. And if we would just come to Him and believe, we will be forgiven. And we have the promise of the eternal blessings that are to come, that are found in His presence. If we would just come to Him... This week in our gentle and lowly study, which we've been doing on Sunday nights, uh, Dana Ortland wrote this in one of the chapters that we've been reading that fits here with the discussion that we're looking at. For those not in Christ, this world is the best that we'll ever get. For those not in Christ, this world is the best it will ever get. But for those who are in Christ, this life is the worst that it will ever get. If you've never trusted in Jesus for salvation, you've heard today words of comfort and words of warning from God's Word. Comfort is found. Eternal joys and pleasure are found In Jesus Christ, if we would just come to Him and believe. But warnings that if we will not, and if we will only set our hopes on the things of this world, will not come to Jesus. A warning from our Savior is, there is a day. And judgment will come. And you face an eternity of torment because you refuse to come and receive the treasure that was offered. And so if you want to know more about putting your hope in Christ, putting your trust and your faith in Jesus and receiving forgiveness of your sins and and knowing the promise of eternal blessing that's to come, no matter what you face in this temporary world, I would love to be able to talk to you about the good news of the gospel. And we can schedule a time to meet. There are yellow cards on the front of your seat, the seats in front of you. You could fill out one of those cards and just put on there that you want to have a meeting with the pastor. And I'd love to be able to talk to you 
about the promise of eternity that we have in Jesus and the forgiveness of sins that's available in Jesus. Church, these words are comfort and warning to us also, right? In Jesus, we have the promise of eternal blessing. And so we should be encouraged We should be comforted even when we walk through some of the darkest suffering that this world has to offer. If we have Jesus, we know one day it will end. One day all of that brokenness will be put away. And we will spend an eternity with our treasure an eternity in the presence of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we need to be reminded of the warning, too, that the pleasures of this world are temporary. They won't last. And so we need to fight the urge of our heart to be drawn to them, to put our hope in them and our satisfaction in In them. Jesus is the greatest treasure church. So let's live our lives that show that we truly believe that he is. By enduring suffering with hope. And by refusing to set our hearts on the pleasures of this world. Jesus is worth it. He really is worth it, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Continue to work in us this week and all of our lives because we, we confess that our hearts will constantly push against this message in our sin. And so I pray for anyone who does not know the hope of Jesus Christ that their hearts will be stirred to ask questions about the hope that can be found only in Him. And I pray for the church today that each of us will continue to fight against the urge of temporary pleasures and satisfactions and that we truly will continue to see Jesus as our greatest treasure. Keep working in our minds, God. Holy Spirit, keep changing our hearts so that we can be the people that you desire for us to be, and so that we can start to hold out hope to the lost world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.